Hi, it's really great to have you with us. I'm Rob Porter, my wife Heather and I have the amazing privilege of being the senior pastors at Kingdom Culture Church in Burpengary, Queensland. We have an incredible preaching team and I hope that this message will encourage and bless you as you listen. you may be seated this morning. Thank you, Ben. Don't know about preaching myself happy. I'm singing myself happy. Anyone with me this morning? Good. Hey. Hey ho. How are you today? That's good, me too. All on the same page, that's a wonderful thing. So, you know, it is a a joy to preach this morning. We're starting a new series called um, Revival Resolutions. Bit more of an explanation about that in a moment. Quick swig of water. I want to tell you about Kevin Bickers. Yes, Kevin hit puberty at eight and had a beard at ten. Not a Fred or a Brett beard. This was lush. He he lumbered and he lurched through life like a gorilla. This was a real guy at my school. With maybe a little exaggeration. But he was twice as tall as all the other grade 8 kids. He was always lurking around the school bike sheds. With either a cigarette, a girl or both. We were in awe. 12-year-olds. Almost every day you'd hear some teacher yelling, Bickers, cut it out. And um, that was in the schoolyard. He was at the centre of every fight, the source of every sexual innuendo, and you wanted him on your side, if only to protect you from all the other thugs were at school. So he wasn't a bully. He was a lad. But somehow one weekend, he ended up on the estate where I was living, which happened to be, um, my father was a prison officer and we lived on uh, houses that surrounded the prison, not in the prison, but houses that surrounded the prison. I want to make that distinction that my dad was a prison officer, not a prisoner. Anyway, it was miles from where Kevin Bickers lived. I should have changed his name for protection. It's all a bit too late now, isn't it? But anyway, it is in England. Um... And he wanted to hang out with me. Now, I need to confess that that summer I'd started playing with matches and a magnifying glass. My focus of attention, love and affection were ants. I am Mars, god of war. I would say, die puny earthlings. And then I would zap the ants with the focus beam from my magnifying glass and fry them to a crisp. I know, all the PC ones are going, oh Jesus, save him. (laughs) I began making little bonfires out of scrap papers and twigs in the little woods across the road from my house and I'd walk away and I thought, this might get me some attention from my parents who were constantly fighting. You know, I'd be like, hey mum, dad, gee whiz, there appears to be a forest fire heading our way. And I think I'd seen too many episodes of Skippy, you know, with the... (laughs) 
with the bushfire episode, you know, where the town's in danger and skip, and he would save the world and everything would wrap. But it was England and it was a full-on English summer, so rain was never much more than an hour away. And anyway, one day there's Kevin Bickers and a couple of his mates, and they're talking to me like I'm one of the gang. I was in awe. I'd, I'd never been cool. I still wasn't, but I would never been like that. But I was asking, I was basking in the, the sunshine of his benevolence and friendship in that moment. And anyway, I'm ashamed to say that I think it was probably me who came up with the idea to burn down the local farmer's haystack. And the next thing I know is we're standing behind this massive haystack in the middle of a field. We put a broken bottle there because we think if there's a problem and the farmer is suspicious of how the fire started, he will think, hot sun, broken glass, fire inevitable. So we struck the matches, pushed them into the hay and ran away laughing and shouting like hoons across the field. A field that was surrounded all three sides by houses and a main road that was chock-a-block full of traffic. Who's going to suspect a thing? Perfect crime and I got away with it. No. But you have to love the underdeveloped prefrontal cortex <laughs> of males. And I read yesterday that sometimes it doesn't develop fully till 35, so maybe you are young adults after all. There is something hidden in that line for our leadership. So we legged it and Kevin and his mates, there was a few of us, we just, they headed home and I headed home. So the haystack burnt to the ground and I had no concept at all that a haystack was worth money, or a lot of money actually, it was, or that it was somebody else's property and that fire can actually get you into trouble until the next day when there's a knock on the front door. And my mum answered it. Now my mum believed in time travel She would often threaten us if we ever brought shame on the family, she'd knock us into next week. (laughs) So I hear, Robert, come here now. And there's this policeman at the door, so I'm standing there, and he's asking what I know about a haystack burning down. But he's not accusing me. He's saying things like, I can tell you're a good lad from a good home. And I realised later, in fact, only when I was preparing this, that cops and prison officers have this thing. They look after each other. My dad used to walk away from speeding fines. Just used to show his badge. And that was it. Anyway, so my dad... So, so the policeman is kind of helping me along with this story, making it up on my behalf about how these kids with the police records must have forced me to go with them to be part of their nefarious schemes. Well, I wasn't going to say, no, governor, I've, I've got to come clean. It was me. So I'm nodding in agreement... And then he says, look towards the police car. Can you see the crim that did this? So, and I look up and there's Kevin Bickers, chained gorilla, in the back seat, looking at his feet, slumped shoulders. And I hung my head in shame for a few minutes. And then I slowly lifted my head and I pointed. (laughs) It was him! The policeman said, thank you, son, and got in the car and drove off. Thank God for salvation. 
and that all our sins are washed away at Calvary. Children, do not play with matches. I've always been interested in fire, apparently. Two years later, when I was 13, I got saved, radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptised in water, filled with the Holy Spirit. We say radically saved because sometimes I think we look at it like Jimmy over here is drowning in 300 metres of water. Sandra over here is drowning in 50 metres of water. Well, if you're drowning, you're drowning. It doesn't matter how deep the drowning is, you're a goner. So salvation is radical for every man, woman and child on this planet. So what is it? It's darkness to light. It's hopelessness to death. And I want to say this morning, it's, we must not let time or society or spiritual drift dumb down our need for a saviour. You know, I got baptised in water, filled with the Holy Ghost. It was radical. It was the fire of God. The fire of the Holy Spirit is such a wonderful thing because it's going to burn up all your inferior secondary fires in your life. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit that can take a young boy by the scruff of the neck, looking for a, someone who's looking for affection and attention and burn up all his doubts and all his fears and all his anxiety, all his depression. You see, my reaction to pain and uncertainty as a 12-year-old was to play with fire. Literally and figuratively, I guess. But don't get me wrong, burning things to get attention is a psychological condition. (laughs) Burning things to mask pain and get controlled is a cry for help. Burning things may not at first present as the heart of someone who's desperately seeking, but it is. See, pain, hurt, sin, drink, violence, sex, gender confusion may not present initially as the action of someone who's desperately seeking an answer to life or someone looking for a saviour, but they are. Jesus didn't come to rubber stamp our vanilla middle-class values. Jesus has come to replace our media-conscious, self-centred lifestyles with his fire and his passion. Now, we prayed for Nikki last week, Nikki Jackson. I was just thinking, I know she doesn't check people in at the counter, but let's say she did. I was just thinking, what would a... Because she woes, doesn't she? You know, I mean, she woo, and she wobbles and jerks, and, and it's the, the power of the Holy Spirit is upon her. I thought, what if, you know, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't scare people in the sense of the, that passenger who wants to fly to Fiji at the Virgin Canna. But what if that woe in her translated to a, you know what, you're going on holiday today, but God says you're about to start a new journey in life. See, what is the woe? What is the fire that gets us out of bed in the morning? You see, because he came so we'd be fire starters, not just fire carriers. Fire starters, not just Fire carriers, Joel. We're called to be fire starters in other people's lives. We're not just called to be a a KCC on the corner of Gleason and Morrifield Road, that if the light's bright enough, maybe somebody will stumble in. We are called to go out and light a fire. We are called to go out and light a fire. We are called to go out and light fire in men and women's hearts. You are beautiful. I don't know whether Carl Knezevich is here, but he's a beautiful lamp. So do your gym, do your running, but don't let your lifestyle, the pursuit of things, cover over the fire Jesus has burning in your heart. I'm not having to go at him. We're good friends. But it's true. We can perfect the outside. 
wear the fabulous clothes, look really great, but it can just cover up. We can just be a lamp. But actually, we're not called to just be a lamp. We're called to be a light, not a memorial, but a light and a fire that sets other people on fire this morning. And maybe we're not called to be mood lighting. And I, I, when, when the Holy Spirit spoke that to me, I thought, that is such a good word. Because we act like we're mood lighting in other people's lives. You know, we dim it, we raise it. Whenever we feel, oh yeah, we'll just go with, no, just shine. Just be the fire. Just go after souls. There are people dying because you are going, oh, just turn it down because it's not the right situation. Maybe this morning you've come with an emptiness, a longing, a seeking. You need more than this life has to offer. And I want to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to respond to that, to give your life to Christ, to move from darkness into light. My scripture this morning is like the magnifying glass I use to zap the ants. It's a really clear focus, and it's from Mark 16, 9 to 18. And it says... Early on the first day of the week, after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. The word of God should set us alight as we're reading. I'm not trying to get a response, but what I am saying is, this is a woman who was set free from seven demons. So he appears to her. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe her. After this, he appeared in a different form, didn't study that out, caught my attention. I thought, what else could he have appeared as? I don't know. But he appeared in a different form to two of them, walking on their way into the country. So they were going the opposite direction than into Jerusalem. And they went and reported, they did a U-turn, and reported it to the rest who did not believe them either. And later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. And then he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. Hallelujah. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. They will squash huntsmen. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. This is a great scripture that should catch our attention this morning. This year of wanting to see, we are going to see, I declare over this church, we shall see salvations. This is a great scripture. Why? Because it brings it all to a very fine laser focal point. Jesus has been crucified, but now he's risen and he's getting his disciples' attention by different encounters with individuals in the group. And then he appears to them all and suddenly he's talking with a razor sharp Precision And what does he say? Get over your pain. You've got a job to do. Get over your fear. You've got a job to do. Get over your disappointment that I, Jesus, did not come and overthrow the Holy Roman Empire. But actually, you are called to go out into all the world and preach the gospel and see an overthrow of heaven's kingdom on earth. To see these kingdoms of this world overthrown. Get over it. You've got a job to do. 
He appears to people who have a need for him. I will say that again. He appears to people who have a need for him. If you have a need for him this morning, he will appear to you. It's the promise of scripture. He first appeared to Mary Magdalene, cast out, he cast out seven demons because she is a person marked by her need for a saviour. He appears to two men walking away from Jerusalem. And what does the scripture say about those men after the encounter? It says, they turned to each other and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Burn within us. Nothing burns without a fire. He spoke and the word became in them a fire. And so much so that they turned around. Now, are you marked by a need for a saviour this morning? So much so that when he appears to you in the impossibility of your situation, you will see him and not overlook him. Are you marked by your need for a saviour this morning that you will do a U-turn, change your direction in order to tell others that Jesus is indeed alive? See, Jesus didn't come to psychoanalyse us. He came to be the fire in our lives that burns up sin and sets us right with God. If we need, needed psychoanalyzing, he would, of course, send a psychiatrist. They're great people. They can help you with the processing and the healing. But God sent a saviour because we needed saving. He sent the fire of heaven as an answer to the fire of hell. The anointing Feb was preaching last week, it was amazing. It changes everything. And I want to add another thing to that or build upon that. The fire changes everything as well. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you know that story where they're, they're challenging Elijah and the power of God. And he says, build an altar, dig the ditches, fill it up with water, soak, completely soak the thing. And who was it? It was the God who answered by fire. He is God. The God who answers by fire in your life, he is God. The thing that you're running after in whatever form of vice it is, it is not the God who answers by fire. He is the God who answers. That will warm you for a moment. That will comfort you for a moment. But it is the fire of God. The fire of God who takes a hold of our lives, turns us upside down and incinerates everything that we don't need. We read scripture like this one that I just read and we realise again that it's true that the fire of the Holy Spirit lives within us. Anyone else convinced beside Heather? The, the fire of God lives within us. He's the Holy Spirit, but he's the fire of God. He's the dove, but he's the fire. I don't know, I don't understand, don't ask me, don't ask me afterwards, I don't know. I just trust him that he's the dove, the fire, the wind. Can't think of any other ones. The water, the bread. Thank you. And yes, the fire is stoked by prayer. Woomph. The fire is stoked by right living. Woomph. Another log goes on. The fire is stoked by the power of the word of God. Read daily. Woomph. Another log goes on. Yes, the fire is stoked by community. Time spent with fellow believers, whoomph, another log goes on. Yet we read this scripture, this final and last command of Jesus and understand again that the fire doesn't burn in us for us. Just to keep me warm, the fire burns in me because I'm a fire carrier. 
and a fire starter. I've got three very short points this morning. One, in this scripture, he talks about the enemies of the commission. What are they? Well, how does Jesus greet the disciples? He rebukes their unbelief and their hardness of heart. He doesn't rebuke them, but he rebukes the hardness of heart and the unbelief that has crept in. Well, Jesus, you don't know the hero sandwich method of communication, clearly. (laughs) One layer of encouragement, one layer of confrontation that hopefully goes well, and another layer of compliments or flattery, I mean, encouragement. (laughs) He doesn't rebuke them. But the unbelief that they have given themselves to, he rebukes. He says, hey guys, this is not the band of firebrands and trailblazers I raised you to be. Unbelief has chilled your hearts. But when he walks into the room, every heart starts burning. Can you feel that burning this morning in your spirit? The Holy Spirit moving in this place. The Holy Spirit's moving in this place. Every heart starts burning. Because we don't come and worship a God and he's just absent. He's the God of fire. So when we come and worship him on a Sunday morning in churches around the globe, worship on Sunday morning, Sunday We're standing in the presence of a fire and something should move and heat us up and burn up stuff. He sets them on fire again and this time the fire sticks, it burns and something sticks. I love this thought thought that Jesus is rebuking unbelief in a group whose unbelief is based on the fact that they haven't yet met Jesus again in the flesh. Now think about that for us. We have never met Jesus in the flesh. But that doesn't mean that we are not held under the commission. The great commission to go and tell and to carry the fire. That is what he was rebuking. So this morning actually he wants to deal with our unbelief and hardness of heart. If we have any. I think we've all had thoughts that if I had met Jesus in the flesh, I'd be so different. Is it just me watching The Chosen? It makes you feel like that. (laughs) It is so true, isn't it? You watch it and you go, I really like him. (laughs) He's he's not scary. Chosen does a great job at exposing the infighting for power among the discipleship, even as Jesus is contemplating his imminent death. But Jesus comes today, rebukes unbelief in our callous hearts, and he reignites and fans the flame in my heart and in your heart. And all to prepare for his next move, he says to his disciples, go. Point two, go, go, go. He doesn't say sit and heal. He doesn't say, sit and lick your wounds of rebuke. He doesn't say, sit and soak. He doesn't say... (laughs) We all show our preferences in what we amen to. So, (laughs) he doesn't say, take time out in the naughty seat for your unbelief. 
No, the antidote to unbelief and hardness of heart is go, tell, seek the lost. Go, tell, seek the lost. Go, tell, seek the lost. What is the word go? In Greek, it's actually not one word, it's two. It's you go, actually. You go. What's the Holy Spirit saying? You go. What's he saying to you? You go. You go. The Greek word is pour you om ahi. Pour you om ahi. Let's say that together. <laughs> pour you om ahi. Yeah, it's difficult, eh? I think it's funny that it starts pour you. <laughs> anyway, that word means see the journey through. Continue the mission, finish what you started out to do. People of our word. Does your promise to Jesus change every time your circumstances do? Does mine? There's a solution fire in your bones, fire in your belly, in your heart. Jesus said, Take this fire and go. Not change it. Don't pick which bit of evangelism you do. He said, No, it's not separated. It's speak, tell, and the signs will follow. And we will look at that next. Because he said, go and tell and show and tell. Go and tell and show and tell. Go and tell, show and tell. This is the year for us to go and tell and show and tell. We are going to be stretched beyond our limits. Go and tell, show and tell. We're going to be stretched out of our comfort zone. Go and tell, show and tell. It's a promise for this church. It's a promise for the early church. It's a promise for this church. Go and tell, show and tell. Point three, I'll get the band up. Thank you. Signs that follow. And then he says, there will be signs that follow. That word follow means always at hand. And these signs will accompany those who believe. This is the scripture we read. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will land, lay hands on the sick and they will get well. People don't know that demon possession is not normal. People are waiting to be shown that Jesus heals today, right now. People don't know that tongues are for now. People don't know that snakes can be picked up. Not sure about that one. Heather had a snake run over her feet when she was at the, the um, washing line this week. And she picked it up, whipped it like that and cracked its back and said, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> she screamed. What I love about what he's saying is, you will go to the disciples, you will tell, you will heal, and it says all those who believe will do the same. Yeah. I want to repeat that because it's a really important thing, because there is a theology around this globe that's quite insidious, it's, but we all lean into it at times and go, well, perhaps it was for yesterday. Perhaps it was for a past generation. No, it wasn't. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the fire that's in our bones and healings are for now, today. Evangelism, speaking with the gospel, is now, today. 
demons being cast out, Fred saw demons cast out while he was up at Hillsong Youth preaching there this week. We're going to keep preaching about the fire because we're catching the fire. We're catching the fire. We're catching the fire. I can see people in this place. Not everyone, but that's not an issue. Getting ignited because we want the fire because you've tried everything else. So let's try the fire. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you. With their eyes closed, I'm just going to give an opportunity if you don't know Jesus in this place this morning, if you aren't in right relationship with him. You may have come here today, maybe a friend's brought you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, come into my life. Come and be my Lord and Saviour. But today I want to surrender my life to Jesus. You know, what would happen if this was the last, your last day on earth? What would happen if you laid your head down to sleep and you didn't wait? Would you be spending eternity in heaven? Where would you be spending eternity? It's a serious question that demands a serious answer for all of us. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about religion is where people come between you and God and, and administer. We're talking about right relationship with Jesus, the relationship with Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. If that's you this morning, I'd like you to just quickly slip your hand up. It's important that we answer at times like these. What God is doing, we make allowance for people to be born again, to know and come into right relationship with Jesus. We'll just take a few more seconds. That burning you feel, that speeded up heart rate, that feeling of I need to do something, it's the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus himself. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to pray together. There's one over here. Thank you, brother. It's wonderful. I don't want to move on, but quickly, if that's you, anyone over here or in the centre section, or we're going to pray together. And let's repeat the words together. Thank you so much for answering a brave, brave. You repeat after me, Jesus. I come to you. I have need for you. I turn away from my life of sin. And I make you my Lord. I thank you for your death on the cross. Your resurrection. I thank you that you're with me now. And that I am secure for eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's message. Our hope is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, we'd like to invite you to begin your journey with him today. 
When we read scripture, we see that sin separates us from God, but that our relationship with God is restored by salvation through Jesus Christ. This happens because God gave Jesus his son to die in our place, to deal with the sin problem, and he rose again so that we can have eternal life with him. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we can know salvation today. If you're ready to do that and turn from a life of sin, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time today, we would love to know and reach out to you and support you. So please contact us at hello at kingdomculturechurch.com.au.